the Fox show, um, you're listening, you're tuning in in your car somewhere, you're watching, you're wondering who are these guys, you know, I stumbled on, Christopher Walken's on the show, I'm not sure, is he? Maybe. <laughs> This week on the What the Fog Show. Yeah, I like to say if you have played one of the Call of Duty games, you've either shot, stabbed, made me, played me, <laughs> uh, you name it. You you have definitely. Uh... This week on the What the Fog Show, my guest is Sean Piccinino. Sean has done many different things. He's, he's literally a jack of all trades, whether it's doing stunts and visual effects for a, the, the amazing show that was recently on Spike, Deadliest Warrior. You gotta check out Deadliest Warrior if you haven't. Basically, it's a show where they would have like Spetsnaz versus Navy SEALs. They would have like a samurai versus a ninja. And they would go in, in depth in about an hour episode about who would win that fight based on their training, based on their weapons, based on their background, based on their will to win. Just an example of the many different things Sean Piccinino has done. Then you can consider Call of Duty, one of the most popular video game franchises stories of all time he's led stunts to that he's led voices as sean will say in this episode there's a good chance that if you played those games that you've literally stabbed shot maimed or played as him um sometime in your experience on call of duty so two things already start out where you know sean from then we talk about his work with his company truly indie studios and what he's doing with heroes with issues and uh formerly six feet under now here's with issues i especially like it's current web series is on right now you can find it on youtube basically it goes into a therapist point of view of what it's like dealing with superheroes so you think about wonder woman you think about batman cyclops these people have pretty hectic lives pretty interesting entertaining lives so they have to talk to someone they have to rant and banter to someone and that's what they provide on heroes with issues so we'll talk about that we'll talk about his upbringing in northern california about growing up in a creative family in the arts family and then his background with action and i mean serious action i mean from being a fourth degree black belt from winning an aa national champion aau national championship in weapons the guy is well trained he's well versed and he's a well-spoken guy he's a good guy and i really appreciate you taking the time to listen what the fog show is available on soundcloud itunes stitcher pod directory my parents phone and the text message i just sent you pizza fans out there make sure to check out our sponsor ferris pizza the best pizza for the best price with the most love in it next time you're in Bakersfield, california check that out now let's go ahead and call sean hello hi is this sean Pichicino? this is hey sean this is connor falk and you're on the what the falk show how the falk are you doing <laughs> i'm doing great <laughs> You like that, man. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on the show, man, because uh, the point of my show is to provide witty, con- witty informational conversation for people in the business. Could be in music, could be in food, sports, whether, what, overall, it's the entertainment racket that I'm looking into. And you do everything. You've done visual effects to acting, to directing, producing, to um, ADing even. I love that part of it since I've acted to see the AD part of it. And I'm just really excited to have a jack of all trades on the show, man. So I really fucking appreciate you taking the time. Somebody that was uh, kind of taking me under their wing, they told me that in this business you have to diversify or die. Uh, and I really took that to heart. And so that's why I've never turned down a job. doesn't matter what department it's in. If it's involved in the uh, entertainment uh, world, I'm, I'm open to, to try it. So. Diversify or die. I love that, man. I've had a lot of great lines in this show. I've never heard that one. And um, I could agree wholeheartedly. For me sometimes, and I guess you agree, you have to you have to get a paycheck, right? So if you're not getting the acting job and you, and you get the editing job, then you got to take it because you have to pay the bills somehow. That's right. That's right. Exactly. I started, I started editing uh, and visual effects on my own projects because I couldn't afford to pay somebody to do it. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's kind of been that, that roller coaster. And then I got, you know, pretty good at it and started getting jobs uh, in that vein. And 
so yeah, it's been uh, it's been a very interesting uh, journey through throughout uh, Hollywood. Well, there's nothing more like necessity to kind of push you and motivate you into completing stuff. As you know, you know, you said the editing. It's hard to rely on people in this business. So as much as you could do on your own, you're better off for it. And considering you being better off, I wonder. You know, let's start off. Is it is was you're growing up and you grew up in NorCal. You grew up on a wildlife refuge over 900 acres. You had a father who was the head of the drama department with Butte uh, Butte College, which also claimed to fame for me. Aaron Rodgers played there for a year, NFL quarterback. <laughs> That's uh, true. Um, I went to school with his uh, with his sister. Oh, okay. Was, I was a little bit older than him, so I don't think we were in high school at the same time. I think it was just one year off. But yeah, yeah, he's a local boy, uh, Chico Win. Now, you growing up in NorCal and that kind of you know creative arena, that kind of creative environment, do you think that set you apart in this business? I think, you know, having uh, kind of a classically trained background with, with acting and, and being on the stage since I was five years old, um, you know, I think that it harkens almost to how they do it over in Europe, mm. right? It's, and how, uh, you know, you see all these actors coming out of London and, uh, you know, that are classically trained and it, it really, I think you, you learn from a very early age uh, of what hard work is because the stage you have to rehearse and train and build these sets all this stuff you can't do another take you can't take a second take it's it's everything for that one moment and uh, playing to a live audience and i think that certainly gives me uh, an edge on handling pressure um and uh you know just just understanding hard work and what it takes to make something happen and watching my father and being inspired by him uh obviously helped me in every aspect in this business. Uh, he's obviously one of my biggest influences and, and taught me about other influences and, uh, in the arts. And, and of course, I take that with me every single day on the job. Well, that's pretty folk interesting. So you're up in, you're in a wildlife refuge. You have so much just land around you. You're in a creative family, so the arts is a priority. But you also start learning these weapons. I mean, you're an AA national champion and for weapons and you're fourth degree black belt. Did growing up, was it because you were kind of in a desolate area, in a place? Is that why weapons became a thing? Is that, how'd you get into that? Um, well, <laughs> it actually started just with martial arts. So um, I think Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan and, of course, uh, the Karate Kid, mixed in there kind of really pushed me to want to get into martial arts. And I was always, uh, you know, kind of athletic. I taught myself how to do a backflip in like fourth grade, you oh, know, wow. nice. that kind of stuff. So I, uh, I was naturally drawn to it. And um, I also was somebody who wouldn't stand by for bullying. So I got into a lot of fights and they were 100% every single fight I ever got into was uh, a confrontation that had to do with, um, somebody bullying somebody else. Mm. So even if I was, you know, I'm not a big guy, so uh, I got myself into to plenty of trouble with, you know, much bigger uh, individuals than myself. Uh, but <clears throat> I'm scrappy and I'm fast, and I, so I would use those tools to my advantage. But to be honest, once I got into the martial arts, I, I fought less and less. Uh, yeah. I figured out how to diffuse those situations without, you know, having to come to fisticuffs. I, I started using my brain a lot more in how to neutralize those situations, uh, especially as I, I got, you know, up into the black belt levels. And it, so uh, you, I've heard that a lot, actually, from other black belt holders or people in, in uh, martial arts. In fact, that they don't, you don't really learn the, the art to fight. You learn it to not fight or how to basically just defend yourself. You don't go out there trying to attack people. It's just hopefully, hopefully someday if you need to defend yourself, let's hope not, but you'll be able to effectively. Yeah, I've been in a couple situations where I've had to apply some of the knowledge, uh, and 
you know, it wasn't just in an all out fight with myself, uh, you know, myself and some other people. It was bad situations that are happening. And I had to, you know, kind of go in and, and help the situation out. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting. It's, it's all about, you learn all the tools and all the tricks on how to hurt people. And you realize really quick how easy it is mm. and how devastating, uh, your actions can be and how, you know, uh, you got the flip side. One side, life is incredibly, you know, fragile. And then on the other side, you've got the human spirit or whatever you want to call it is incredibly enduring. But you figure out really quick how easy it is to actually hurt somebody and how one mistake. Your punch might not be what actually causes the damage. Your punch, you know, it, uh, I'm telling you right now, a seven-year-old uh, little kid can knock you out just as easy as anybody else with the right place uh, punch and, and, and the right timing. Hmm. Um, if your jaw is, is not clinched and it's open, it does not take a lot of force to, to render you unconscious. So, <clears throat> But what, it, what happens is if you strike somebody like that, even in defense, and they go unconscious and they fall to the ground, uh, there's where all the repercussions start happening. There's where all the consequences of your actions can, can take place. So you start figuring out you know, as you go up in the ranks that, man, <clears throat> my fist is powerful enough to, you know, do one set of damage, but that's not the damage that you might not be able to control. Mm. The other stuff is them falling, hitting their head on a curb or a desk or a something and brain damage or death or any of those things can come into play. So it's very much, you know, one of those things where you, you try and avoid that kind of outcome at all costs. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the superhero stuff with great responsibility. You start figuring out, and I'm not saying that I'm the toughest guy on the planet. I just, you know, I started respecting all life and all energy and all people a lot more the more I started training martial arts. And obviously that's where the weapons came in to go back to your original question. Uh, I started training uh, in a lot, in a variety of weapons in the uh, Okinawan karate that I trained in. Um, so I, I trained in the bow, I trained in kama, size, uh, tomfa, uh, you know, a lot of really fun uh, uh, weapons to do. But the, the staff always really, I was drawn to it because I just felt like it was a weapon that is, could be in use every day, uh, you know, a broom handle, whatever it is. Uh, so I kind of was really drawn to that and, and kind of made that my go-to weapon. And that's what I competed uh, and won that AAU gold medal uh, that year. Well, that's awesome. And one thing that I like to fight with and I have a struggle with, I don't know if it's you're the same way, but it's pizza. And it's not eating it every day for every meal of the day. I'm a big fan of pizza and sponsor of this show, the What the Falk Show. Ferris Pizza in Bakersfield, California, the best pizza for the best price with the most love in it. Sean, are you a pizza fan yourself? <laughs> I am. I, I, I am. And uh, my two vices are probably pizza and ice cream. Oh, dude, I totally get that. The dairy, the dairy is messing me up. It's another fight that I have to fight with, and the black belt of my emotion is not always winning, and it's an issue. And, and just to drop that, uh, whether you know it or not, you and I do have a connection. Uh, you worked on The Lackey with Hectic Films. I started out doing, when they did the Bakersfield Underground News Syndicate, I was like the kind of actor for them that did like the really, I, how I did it was over the top Chevy Chase, Saturday Night Live. I did a sports hosting, and um, so I kind of know those guys a little bit, and I remember when they were filming The Lackey, uh, my best friend and I, Miguel Felix, he had worked on that a little bit, and we had to follow you closely and closely you talked about the weapons you use and i'll go next to the show that we knew you on at least i heard of you this guy for that worked with bakersfield and that was deadliest warrior so a mid 2000s show on spike i gotta tell you man i was a huge fan i really loved that show i wish it was still on and it kind of makes sense that all your weapons training and your background whether you're classically trained or the weapons that you have really made it you a great just addition to that show can you talk about your work on deadliest warrior yeah well that was a blast i 
on the first two seasons, um, you know, helping out with fight choreography, coordination. Uh, Noel Vega was the stunt coordinator, and he's the one, the reason why I got on the show in the first place. And uh, I ended up moving into doing second unit direction, which is basically directing action. Uh, and on this kind of show, you can see uh, that that was uh, basically every shot <laughs> we yeah. had to do with action in some way or shape or form. So, uh, and then I also got to full directing credit on on a few episodes as well. Um, but yeah, that was a blast. And obviously, my training came into play every single you know day in rehearsal, and uh, and uh, I just had a total blast. I loved it. And what happened with that show, which is unfortunate, happens a lot of times, is they start moving around. You know the time slots. The, well, not the time slots because it it was number one the first two seasons. It was number one for their demographic and time slot and all that. Uh, but they start moving around the creative people behind the shows so mm. uh, after the first season they got rid of the creator um you know i don't know what was going on behind the scenes but they replaced the creator uh, put a new showrunner in there uh and then after that second season they started replacing other you know department heads with other people and it just started becoming you know it wasn't the the team that created the magic in the first place and gave them the number one show and i've never understood why they do that uh and, and, I've, and I've experienced it more than once because uh, I've worked on several network shows such as like Robot Chicken and uh, and uh, Drew Carey Show and all that kind of stuff. But the uh, I watched it time and time again. They start replacing these people who are a major part of why the show was number one to begin with. Mm. So it never made sense to me why they did that. Like maybe they have some kind of personal uh, disagreements with these people. But to me, you create a you know it's like lightning in a bottle. To capture that lightning in a bottle is extremely rare and to have a show that hits home with so many fans and goes number one and then the very next season you want to change that formula yeah never understood that well it, i think it's it's that unfortunate maybe you've experienced it too that unfortunate kind of can disconnect that happens sometimes when you have the business side versus the creative side so the business side they're not looking at anything as opposed to do we actually like the show like a viewer like myself how do you how do you enjoy it do you like it yeah i totally love it man thanks but they're thinking okay how much more money can we make because this is a profit center it's a business exactly. so unfortunately you know when that comes in exactly what's happened every time i've experienced is they're they're saving money in in certain ways and, uh, and robot and chicken another favorite show of mine back in the day around the same time you did visual effects on that correct yeah i did some assistant editing and then visual, a lot of visual effects uh for that show including the first star wars episode i got to do a lot of the lightsabers and spaceships flying around and all that fun stuff so yeah it was a total blast we got to screen it up at uh, skywalker ranch and and on the sound stage there, uh, got to meet George, and he gave us all lightsabers. It was it was awesome. It was an amazing experience. So, so is this lightsaber? How how hardcore is this lightsaber? I know it doesn't actually have like a light beam, but like, is it metal? What is? I, dude, when I was a kid and I was a subscriber to the Star Wars magazine, like I was always looking at the two thousand dollar lightsaber in the box that they would always advertise. <laughs> I don't think this one's quite that level, but it is metal. That's awesome. Um, but it does have the you know acrylic saber blade that can come out. You can remove the blade, but. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty legit. Um, and I, I, of course, went for the original Luke Skywalker slash Anakin. He let us choose. I mean, he literally had stacks and stacks of these things. And, uh, you know, everybody's kind of in a line waiting to shake his hand and, and get their thing. And then, uh, well, actually, he surprised us. We were all in there screening the Robot Chicken Star Wars special, the very first one, uh, in, the, in the theater there at, at, at uh, Skywalker uh, Ranch. And... Uh, and I didn't realize, I guess he had snuck in, but he was sitting literally right behind me. So when the lights came on, they said, hey, we want to 
thank everybody and introduce uh, George. And I turned around. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what an idiot. I didn't even notice the whole time. I'm here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that was fun. So then they did that. And then we went outside and we could, you know, shake his hand, talk to them for a second. And, and of course, uh, you know, he's like, hey, you want to pick a lightsaber? You know, I'm like, oh, sure. You know. It's like, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been waiting for you to ask me that question yeah, since yeah. I was, you know, like six years old. So I'm here. I'm ready. Yeah, I've been... <laughs> I didn't go for the purple Mace Windu or for any of the, I went back for the OG one. I wanted, you know, they had different versions of them too. They had the newer Anakin one and uh, from the prequels. I said, no, no, no. I want the original, I want the OG one. I want the very first lightsaber we ever saw on screen. That's, that's the model I want. So. That's, that's the one you want. So, so far we yeah. talked about Deadliest Wars. We talked about Star Wars. We talked about Robot Chicken, about your uh, background in a creative environment, a wildlife refuge. And the next we could talk about you being part of one of the biggest video game franchises ever. And that's the Call of Duty franchise. So while I've been, you know, shooting terrorists or whatever you want to call it, or, you know, playing with my friends in Call of Duty, you lent some stunts on that, on those uh, programs. You lent well, some voices. I like, yeah, I like to say if you have played one of the Call of Duty games, you've either shot, stabbed, made me, played me, <laughs> uh, you name it. You, you have definitely, because uh, I've played the player, and there's usually a core group of guys. I mean, there's always been a core group of guys, so it's not just myself. Yeah. There's an amazing team uh, of stunt guys and actors and voice actors and all that. So, you know, I've been everything from the zombies on the zombie modes to the soldiers to the Navy Sea. You know, we played all of them. I played uh, Soap, uh, Lieutenant Soap in uh, the Modern Warfare, I think, 3. I played him, uh, Soap Maktabosh. I played, uh, I did some voices on um, Black Ops 2. Nice. Uh, I just played some minor characters. You know, they were Navy SEALs, part of the, the like, insertion crew that you're part of. Uh, so I voiced several of those guys. Um, as well as doing the motion capture, full performance capture. So we're doing face, body, uh, and voice all at, all at the same time. Which which when we were doing Black Ops Two, that was like cutting cutting edge. You know, that was uh, brand new technology. Call of Duty, wow, a great game and a, and a great franchise. You had experience with that, and you also worked on World at War, right? That Call of Duty as well. That was the first Call of Duty I worked on. Was was World at War? One of my favorites. Several, yeah, I've done several games. I love the story on that one. Yeah, I think all the. The voice acting and everything is fantastic in it. But, uh, yeah, that was the very first Call of Duty, and I think I did four or five more after that. Uh, I worked a little bit on Black Ops 3, uh, but didn't do any of the, you know, the, the, the newfangled ones. Because what happens is there are different companies that, that actually make the games. Uh, so you've got the Modern Warfare crew, you've got the uh, Black Ops side, which was also World of War, and then now there's a new uh, production company that's doing kind of a third uh, incarnation of the Call of Duty series. So they're like on a cycle. Where mm. one company makes one, and that release, and the next company releases theirs, and so on and so forth, and go and from then it comes there. Back, yeah. Well, yeah. that's just that's just really awesome from a fanboy out there who's really enjoyed all these different franchises you've been a part of. That's really cool. And again, Deadliest Warrior, man, I I, I was stoked. I, I I love that show. I was always so into that show. We're like, oh, this person for this person. Like, it's a constant YouTube click show that I check out. So I know listeners out there like myself, my generation, fans of that show on Spike, are going to be interested in enjoying the chance to you know hear you conversate with me. So I'm really fucking excited. Thanks again. I know we're in the middle of the interview but i appreciate it so far um now <laughs> no hey did you know i played william wallace on that episode i do remember you playing william wallace yeah so that was pretty you know uh, you were great uh, you're sean you were great were you mel gibson i don't know but you were amazing bro so i'm gonna i'm gonna give you that much credit definitely much better you know you definitely you definitely were more the christian bale batman which i think is better than the ben affleck batman which i'm not as into so i would give you <laughs> definitely credit on that um so we talked about you said you said diversify or die. Now, I want to get back into that. Since you've worked as an AD, director, producer, editor, visual effects, stunts, so many things, is there one that you actually prefer more than the other? Well, my 
my true passion, my true love is is acting and directing. Okay. So on any given day, you can give me either one of those roles, and I will be, you know, I'm in my happy place. I'm in my zone, even if it's incredibly stressful. Listen, Deadliest Warrior, when we're shooting that, everything was was we were ten hours behind before you know we even started the day. Ugh. So it was always stress. It was high stress, little money. Uh, to produce major battles, like here's five guys, you need to make it look like five thousand, yeah. right? So that's that's how that show worked. But I loved it. I I, I thrive in that kind of environment. Uh, give me a lot to do, and I'm happy. Give me one thing to do, I'm bored. Give yeah. me ten things to do, and I'm I'm a kid in a candy store. So uh, yeah, so directing and uh, and acting are my 100. percent Those are my number one passions. I really do like stunt coordination and fight choreography. That's probably close uh second to those two tied for number one so yeah it kind of goes in that order the editing and all that stuff i enjoy doing as well but it's more uh that's more tedious and i'm sitting still yeah you know sitting in front of a computer i I, i'm not uh as jazzed to do that all the time but uh but uh you know i do enjoy it still well i can certainly get that and and you talk about doing so many different things so if you agree in my experience on set i would say that i want to be as busy as possible because you know especially if you're acting sometimes whether what kind of show it's on you're you're waiting like your your 12 hour day you're only acting about four hours the other eight hours i'm on my phone like just in a you know whether it's a trailer or holding or something just hanging out and i'm just so bored time goes by so slowly so like you said for deadliest war you were just so incredibly busy you're against the clock it probably made the days go by pretty fast actually right Oh yeah, they're a blink of an eye. It was never yeah. enough time. Uh, but yeah, I've been on plenty of sets where it's the hurry up and wait game. That's, yeah. uh, that's Hollywood right there. It's hurry up and wait. Uh, we need you here at 5 a.m. Uh, I did a, a uh, show recently. I played a, uh, a police officer and uh, I was there. Uh, it was a night shoot. So I was there at like 5.30 was my call. Okay. Um, I did not step on set until I think almost 2.30 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know that happens a lot I mean, yeah that really happens a lot I, I remember being on a shoot uh, i was actually on set with my cousin jeremy dunn and he's also an actor stunt guy extraordinaire all that stuff runs a company called i stunt which is a um you know, a stunt directory so we're all kind of tied in my family's tied into the stunt business but me and him were on set uh cousins on set that's always fun yeah uh together we did a couple different uh, shows together and several of the games we talked about those games before he was on all those call of duty games as well that's cool he's like the wow. mocap king he's done like 80 90 100 games i don't even know what it is at this point okay um but uh so we were on this set i think we we're in las vegas oh no i'm sorry we were in los angeles but we were on we got we got that crazy you know past golden time like it was the most insane shoot ever yeah uh where we were into like double triple gold whatever it's called after uh. that we made a ton of money but we literally sat for i think 14 hours before we did anything yeah and then we worked for another four, we were there like 18 19 hours and we made just stupid money and oh. we were just extras at the time oh so man we were, we were like oh this is amazing <laughs> but yeah so i mean that's that is the hollywood game it's the hurry up and wait yeah background especially if you have to do background you either want to work what like an hour or you want to work 20 hours to get to make it worth your while once you get to double time and they always try to it seems like my experience they always try to wrap you um before you get to double time or golden time because they don't want to give up the money but if you can get there you're like oh man so much rate i'm delirious i don't know if i'll ever be able to fall asleep but i'm just happy that i'm gonna be making more money so less stress on me in the future now um yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking about stress um has it been str- you st- truly indie studios now more of what you're doing now 
you have your web series Six Feet Down Under, and more importantly right now at the moment, Heroes with Issues, which I got to tell you, I talked about in the intro, I think it's a really interesting idea. I mean, it's a very stressful life, a very hectic life being a superhero or villain, so they need to see someone to talk to, a psychiatrist, someone out there, and I also wonder, you know, it makes me wonder, like, how do they pay them? Like, is there a bank account the Batman Incorporated, or does Wonder Woman have checks with the W on it? Uh, Just certain things that I wonder about. So you starting truly in your studios and working with Machima, Machinima, um, what's that like? Oh, it's been great. Uh, you know, I've got such an amazing team. I've got uh, Brian Suskind and uh, Steve Pisa, Tatiana Dektar, um, you know, that's kind of our, our corn guy Grundy, uh, who's the star of Six Feet Down Under, um, you know, and just Anthony Apello. I mean, we've got tons of people that are all part of this kind of core group at Truly Indie, and, and Truly Indie has always been a dream of mine that is kind of a collaboration of these, you know, independent artists all coming together creatively. Um, and that's why we launched the, the YouTube channel and uh, are just continuing to try and grow it and, and, and do really fun, interesting uh, things on it. So we kind of want to treat it like an SNL or, you know, something like that, a key and peel, where you're going to see a lot of the same actors in different scenarios, different playing different characters, but we're all doing it just for, you know, to, to have fun and, and be creative and, and hopefully make a, uh, uh, people laugh or enjoy it or enjoy the action like on Six Feet Down Under. So, um, yeah, it's been a blast. I mean, we're really having a great time on Heroes with Issues. Uh, it was a really cool concept. Uh, Tatiana, uh, Dektar, Brian, Suskind, and I uh, created that show, and uh, it's kind of just taken off, you know, right away, life on its own. We Our first episode cleared 100,000 views in a, in a relatively short amount of time, so we were really happy with that, and Every other episode is, is gone past that as well. And um, so, you know, we're just having we're having a great time with it. We have another episode that's coming up here really quick. Um, it's going to be Harley Quinn, uh, Suicide Squad, awesome. um, which is going to drop this week. So look for that, you know, either uh, what's well, going to be coming soon. And I don't know when this airs. So, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be out very soon. We're probably going to air this next week or, you know, we'll air this pretty soon. But so one thing it's just aired. <laughs> <laughs> it's just check it out right now um, to say, yeah. though, um, where can the listeners out there when they want to find your work and your information, anything about Sean Piccicino, where can they where can they go? I think the best place right now is probably YouTube or, of course, Facebook. You can follow me there. It's a, uh, you know, backslash Sean Piccinino and Piccinino is P-I-C-C-I-N-I-N-O. So if you look that up on Facebook, you're most likely going to find me. Or uh, on YouTube, uh, just search Truly Indie Studios, or you can look up Heroes with Issues or Six Feet Down Under uh, while searching on YouTube, and you will find us. Um, We have like six or seven episodes out now on Heroes with Issues. We're completing, we're still completing the second episode of Six Feet Down Under, because that one's much bigger. Uh, You know, it's longer episodes, and it's also got a lot of action, a lot of things going on, so it takes a little bit longer to produce those, but... Uh, that the second episode is coming out uh, soon as well. Um, and then we also have a lot of other cool stuff we're doing. We have fake commercials that are coming out. Now, these will be uh, commercials in all varieties of genres, uh, you know, throwback to the 80s. But the, most of them will feature characters that you would not imagine would be, you know, pitching, uh, you know, uh, item. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we'll have superheroes in there. We already sh- have shot several commercials. We have... Uh, one that's a Wonder Cookies. It's Wonder Woman, uh, Betty Crocker style cookies back in the <laughs> '80s. Um, we also have uh, X Man wipes, which are uh, you know 
towelettes for for super powered individuals. Okay, uh, nice. And so we're doing things like that, you know, just silly, fun stuff. Um, not taking ourselves serious, and but but having a great time doing it. And they're also doing fake trailers, so we're going to have some fake movie trailers uh, that you'll be seeing in the future on our channel. So you know, things like that. That's kind of what we're. Uh, we're uh, working on behind the scenes and, and excited to get a lot of this uh, launched and, and out to the world. When it sounds like an interesting premise and certainly uh, comedic, you know, to take these, you know, serious things that we see in films and television and kind of make them put the funny take on them. But for listeners out there, it will be amazing uh, visual effects because you do have an amazing skill at that. So you do add, it looks legit. Like everything you're doing, truly India Studios, though indie looks as big budget as, as, as anything else. Oh, well, thank you. Well, uh, yeah, you know, my experience uh in that world especially in network television i think really helped to hone those skills in and and uh um you know i've also got a great team that helps me out with that stuff so um you know i've got guys like tony warren who helped me in the editing and rotoscoping things and and brian suskind as well is also helping me edit steve pisa as well you know so all this stuff uh you know when you've got great people behind you it's it's easy to to make stuff look great because you're, everybody's passionate about it, and we're all trying to achieve the same goal. Absolutely. And Sean Piccinino, you've been a great guest so far. I really appreciate you coming on. And this is a chance, since you are so diverse and you've done so many different things, the part of why I did this show, like I said, I grew up in Bakersfield. I had no connection to the film industry, but I loved it. I was one of those kids who, at like eight, watched whatever he wanted. So when Casino came out on VHS, I was renting it and I was checking it out. So cartoons kind of got phased out really early. This is the only industry, the only thing I've ever considered doing or wanting to do. So if there's someone out there, a kid out there like myself, like I was, whether it's in Bakersfield or the country or, you know, anywhere else in Northern California, what's some advice that you would give them to help them, you know, motivation or what to do, what to look into to maybe have a future like yourself? Well, I think right now, and, and I really, you know, I believe that right now the biggest focus you should be doing if you are trying to, you know, an aspiring filmmaker or something like that uh, is, is the YouTube content mm, yeah. but but create good stuff They've, we've already got a million channels and a million shows that do you know just the cell phone footage and you know I'm, what i'm trying to do is and i'm part of a there's a couple different uh you know production companies and things that are really trying to to bring it to the next level for this medium because this medium is the future yeah so i would say get together with some good friends some good people a lot of determination you create something cool man and and put it out there for the world to see because that's the era we're in uh, take your time with it, though. Don't just crank it out and throw it up there. You know, try and make it and take it to the next level. Make it different than than the other videos you've seen. And, okay. Uh, you know, because we've, like I said, we've already got just plethoras of content. Now let's really create some cool stuff. Like, uh, you know, the guys over at Bat in the Sun that I work with and have, have worked with on their show, uh, Superpower Beatdown, uh, since the get go. Always thought they were creating such cool and unique stuff. Uh, and I was just stoked to be able to get to work with them on it. And, uh, uh, they've helped us on our channel, uh, growing it and getting it into the right, uh, you know, they're the ones who introduced us to machinima and, uh, you know, so <clears throat> love those guys. So you should also, people should be checking out their channel and they, and they're doing fantastic. They have almost 2 million subscribers there. Oh, wow. Each one of their shows, uh, each one of their episodes of superpower beatdown get like 10 million views plus. Um, so they're just doing amazing, amazing things in the show. And again, talking about the special effects and all that. They've got a guy named Nikolai 
who, you know, I'm a visual effects artist, but I really respect what this guy does. He does amazing work. So if you see that show, Superpower Beatdown, you'll, you'll be blown away with the visual effects and, uh, and the quality of production. And, and uh, like I said, I've second unit directed and stunt coordinated a lot of those episodes. Uh, I also jumped in there in, in some spandex for the uh, Kick-Ass versus Casey Jones episode. Nice. Uh, so if you come across that, you'll see me in the green suit. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's what I, that's, to me, that's where the future is. Uh, I think cable television is going to go away. Everything is going to go streaming and, uh, YouTube is at the forefront of all of it. Um, so if you're going to do it, do it right is what you're saying for listeners out there. Put some time into it. And I think that's the avenue. Everybody wants to move to Hollywood or whatever. And, and, you know, to that kind of stuff, but you don't have to, if filmmaking is your passion. Now, if you want to be an actor, you know, you probably need to be in one of the bigger cities, um, to, to pursue some of that. And that is really, it's a really tough business to break into. And that's why I diversified. Like yeah. I did have to, right. I created yeah. my own content. I said, look, I'm going to go to an audition in a blind audition. They're not going to understand what I can actually do. Uh, and I'm not going to get the shots on the rolls when they have a specific thing in their mind. So I need to create stuff for myself. I'm not going to sit around and wait for somebody to discover me. I'm going to do it myself. And, uh, and, you know, that's the mindset I've had from the get-go. So that's the other thing I would tell people is don't – you can't wait. I see a lot of actors. They're waiting to be discovered. And yeah. that's, you know, it's, one, it's truly one in a million. You're not going to – you have these actors who come here and then uh, they get put in this creative void because no one's given them an opportunity. But this show, for example, is my opportunity to kind of do something or make something that I have control of. Just whether, whether you know it or not, the verbiage that I get to do when I'm conversating with people like this, every person has a different environment, a different background. It does lead to more experience in acting, or at least how to be comfortable with who I am. And maybe you know that as an actor is, is, is know yourself, know who you yes. are. And, and yes. you know, this is a business. We are walking product placements in a way. It's an art as well, but so you have to know who you are and what are you selling? What archetype are you for the, for the viewers? So when you're comfortable, when you're comfortable with that, and when you know who you are, yeah, you can then take the commercialized material and make it art. Yeah, you know what I mean. Absolutely, because you're, you're comfortable in that space. You're comfortable uh, in doing that, and you will get extremely creative, even within certain you know parameters or certain limitations. You will figure out. And I actually think limitations can make you even more creative in a lot of ways. So hmm. okay. uh, I'm never I'm never uh, afraid of any of those kind of challenges. Yeah, well, Sean, um, this is a challenge right now because you're done with the, I guess, the interview part of the episode. So now we're going to do the rapid fire. I didn't put that on your outline. So just a few questions that you didn't have time to research or think about. You just have to answer immediately. First thing off the top of your head. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, one, would you rather have a dragon or a talking ninja monkey? Dragon. Dragon. Okay. Uh, number two, what old celebrity or athlete would you want to fight if you had to? Is there any ill will with anybody? <laughs> oh, that I'm actually angry? Yeah. Uh, do, do I have to be angry at them or can I just have respect for them and just be an honor to fight them? Well, yeah, because in your point of view, you're not just some random person fighting. You actually have serious skills. So, yeah, if it's a respect thing or whatever, but I can tell you, I'm like, hey, Sean Piccinino, I got Mortal Kombat. Are you ready? Who would you like me to put in the ring with you? Who are you choosing? Oh, man. You know what? I'm gonna go for like I gotta say like Bruce Lee or, or Jackie Chan, just okay. because just the challenge of it. And, yeah. And you know, uh, I, there's not anybody really that I you know hate so much that I'd want to fight. I don't think. Okay. I have to think th- about that more. Well, I like your answer. Uh, Still a great question. Yeah. Number three, since you said Bruce Lee, for me, example, one of my favorite autobiographical autobiographic movies, um, Enter the Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. What is your favorite autobiography movie? Well, you just said one of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There are 
there's so many that I love. Uh, oh man, I know it's right off the top of your head. It's so random. I just don't know if did you like maybe yeah. uh, the Aviator? Were you a fan of that one about Howard Hughes? Uh, I don't think I saw the actual. Or you just mean you mean the one with Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I like that. That wouldn't be my favorite though. Um, Forrest gosh. Gump. Forrest Gump, the George W. <laughs> Bush story. Did you like that one? <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll stick with Bruce Lee. That works for me. Okay, or Wall Street, the uh, the Donald Trump uh, autobiography. Um, sorry to <laughs> sorry. I don't want to jump in there. Okay, last question. I would say one movie, one show, one line. If it's any one of those things that brought you to this point for motivation, is there a project that did that? Yes. You Adrian. <laughs> okay. We awesome. Did. Awesome. First Rocky. First, First Rocky. Rocky. Oh, man. Why are you going to say the things? <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? The whole journey of that film and how it was made truly inspired me. And uh, rewatching it at different stages in my life inspired me every single time. Like, this is what this guy did. This is what he took. He made it. He yeah. made his own thing. Nobody believed in him. That was, that was uh, the film that... I, and I have so many absolute favorite films. But the first Rocky is probably, as a filmmaker one of the ones that truly, truly inspired me. And there's other ones, too. There's a film called Run, Lola, Run. Oh, great one, yeah, with the girl Absolutely from uh, Born. brilliant movie, yeah. yeah. And, you know, that was made on Next to Nothing. Uh, El Mariachi, yep. uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a Love lot it. of films that really influenced me heavily and, and who I want to be as a storyteller. Um, and going way back even further, someone like Buster Keaton was a major influence on me. And, and I think if you look at the body of work and, and all the jobs that I do, that one makes a lot of sense because he was a director, stunt coordinator, one of the first stuntmen ever in existence. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, awesome. And an actor. Yeah. Uh, and you have um, Orson Welles called him one of the best directors who has ever lived. Wow. Uh, speaking about Buster Keaton. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of influence there. But Rocky, really, that was the first one that made me go, I want to do this. Yeah, Sean, we got great taste and you got great projects and you've been a great guest. So I really fall and appreciate you coming on the show. For all listeners out there, they're going to find Truly Indie Studios on YouTube. They're going to find you on Facebook. Uh, are you on Twitter and Instagram as well? Yep, Twitter, Instagram. You can find me and also Truly Indie on, on all of those as well. Um, For Twitter, what is your handle? Because I tried to uh, put in Piccinino and I couldn't, nothing came up. So what specifically is your handle, if you don't mind? Uh, that is, I think it's just uh, Sean Piccinino. Okay. Um, okay. I think. Yeah, I think it's Sean Piccinino, or it's. Uh, I know on Instagram it's actor Sean Piccinino. Actor Sean Piccinino. Well, regardless, um, it, might be, it the, might be that on Twitter. They'll find out because I will be promoting the folk out of the show, and we'll be each during next week and or this week when they're listening right now, and um, and uh, people will go ahead and listen to this conversation. And again, I really appreciate you taking the time. You've been a great guest, and uh, I really enjoyed this time. Well, I falcon appreciate uh, you having me. Thanks, buddy. Okay, well, have a great week, and I'm looking forward to all the upcoming stuff you have going on. Thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. Well, that was Sean Piccinino. Um, really cool guy. Really interesting. Diversify or die. A really good, uh, a really good tagline for people in this business. You have to do as many things as you can. You have to get paid somehow. So if you can't always get paid as an actor, get paid doing editing. If you can't get paid doing editing, do some stunts, some visual effects. Work as an AD. If you have to PA, you PA. If you have to be a background, you be a background. If you really want to work in this business. You got to do whatever you can. So anybody out there of why I started the show, if you do want to work in the entertainment industry, this tutorial or this conversation hopefully gave you a lot of information that you could use to prosper in the future. My name is Connor Falk. This is the What the Falk Show. You're listening to SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Pod Directory, my parents' phone, or the text message I just sent you. You can find me on YouTube, my WTF show, SoundCloud, my WTF show, um, Twitter, my WTF show, Instagram, my WTF show. Basically, M-Y-W-T-F-S-H-O-W is always going to be Connor Falk and the What the Falk Show. Thanks for taking the time to listen, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.